0: The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers.
1: The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman.
0: Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike, I got a quick story for you.
1: I love your stories, my friend.
0: Listen, man, you know sometimes I, you know, I get on boards and stuff, and I get in there, and everyone there is smarter than me and better looking than me and richer, richer than me, right? It's like Uh, no, no. Listen, I'm telling you, like it's all these all star people, and so I'm on this board with these people, and there's actually a couple boards on with the same guy. And this guy's ridiculous. I mean, he's a handsome guy, a wealthy guy, influential guy, and it's crazy. Well, then, get this. Mm-hmm. I'm in, like, Las Vegas at a convention, and I see this guy, and it's like, oh, it's that guy. And I go talking to him. No, no, no. It's the guy's twin brother. He's got a twin brother. <laughs> oh, That's, and they're that, both ridiculous. That could be
1: bad. <laughs>
0: I know. Like, And the, both these guys, like, ridiculous. And one's Tim, and one's Tom, and they're both successful, and they're cool dudes. And I'm like, how are there There's two of them. I mean, God bless America. Like, I just got me, average me, and yeah. this guy, there's there's two of them. Well, uh, those two guys are amazing. And one of those brothers we have here with us today. Oh, my goodness. Tom Sinema. Thanks for being here, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me, John. Yeah. You, re- <laughs> you you look like you're beside yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm so glad to see you and have you here with us today. You're doing such great work in Orlando. And then you got a brother that's doing great work in the Carolinas. And so... Thanks for all you're doing.
1: Uh, I'm I'm blessed to have uh, a twin brother who's very active in in Charlotte, and I have two older brothers, and they're special too. So we're a blessed family.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, um, I'm so glad to have you here, and I got a couple of topics I want to talk to you about today. Um, the first one I want to talk about is being a leader, being a business, and being a Christian business leader, and kind of what that means. And I that the topic I want to start with is why is this important? Um, as a business leader who's a person of faith to engage in the community. And, and I see you, you've engaged in the community on things that are, you know, Christian invested and some things that are not, they're just like you and I were on the um, American diabetes board together. Right. So that's not a Christian thing per se, but it's involved in the community. Why do you think Christian business leaders need to do one or both of those things?
1: Well, I, I uh, thank you, uh, John, for having me and, and, to answer specifically your your question, if it's not Christian leaders who are going to do it, who will? So right. I, I would I would start with with that. Secondly, I would think uh, the the words of Scripture resonate in my mind very consistently, which is more as expected uh, from those to whom more has been been given. And and there's uh, parables in the New Testament about that. And if you have been blessed. Uh, as a business uh, woman or businessman with some success and some skill sets uh, it is not solely to be used to make more money I, I just don't believe that fundamentally to my core i believe that our responsibility is to invest back in the common good to make the community a better place now that doesn't mean that we engage in everything and you know sort of w- with with without discernment the, the fact is, if you asked me to engage in, in sort of a habitat uh, home building, I would suggest that nobody would want to live in the house uh, that I would build because it's just not a skill set that I have. I, you'd have to teach me which end of most tools to, to hold. It's <laughs> it's just not my, my skill set. Uh, so businessmen and business women have skills that they have honed in their business, and it's easy for them to use those skills. And if they apply those skills to solve some of the social challenges and some of the more complex problems in our communities, it is a wonderful thing, and success ultimately uh, comes from those efforts.
0: You know, it's so interesting. One of the things that jumped to my mind when you're talking about that is the work I've done over the years with prison ministry. And I have met people, you think about this, Tom, every day their job is to walk inside a prison cell And meet, talk to the scariest people you can think of and pray with them and help with their problems. I've seen those people then who I've said, Hey, we need to go have this meeting talking about raising money, become terrified. Like they have no problem being like with an inmate and death. That's not scary to them, but talking about raising money was terrifying to them. And that's kind of your point that that's where like, if you're a business person, you don't have to use the tools. You say, you know, you don't necessarily have to go into the prison or the hospital or to you know, whatever facility that people are receiving things, but you can be a very valuable asset in helping make the fundraising and financial connections they need. Is that, is that correct?
1: That, that is a perfect example. If you are trained as a CPA, there are nonprofits all over the community that are clamoring for wisdom and advice uh, on accounting treatment and sort of their financial uh, uh, books and records. If you are trained as a lawyer, there are nonprofits all over the community that would clamor to have your wisdom and skill set of what you do very naturally, almost effortlessly. Uh, if you are a CEO where you're accustomed to a casting a vision, um, to sort of look around the corner, to maybe assemble a team of leaders, build a board of directors, those sorts of skill sets some people would be completely overwhelmed to think about trying to do that. But if if that's what you do for a living, and that's natural to you, it's almost effortless. And you apply those skill sets in tandem with other leaders that have complementary skill sets to sort of tackle problems, great things result.
0: Tom, it's so funny. I'm working with a couple organizations right now and helping them with the fundraising. And one of them, I just created this kind of strategic plan. They it's a big organization, they have 14 divisions. And I was like, what if we had every four, every division leader name 25 uh, potential donors. And then we create a spreadsheet and we track all these, you know, whatever 25 times 14, is do that math, whatever that is, do that math and like track them. And you're like, gosh, you know, 300 plus people, you would, you and I could track 300 people. That's, that's super easy to do. And when I was explaining this to them, they were kind of mind blown, but it's just a thoughtful organizational process. Like, when I got started in the business, I was leasing space. Like, well, how am I going to lease these vacant spaces? We used to create a list, and you, like, it's the same thing, right? And you know, the work that you've done is kind of similar, but that's a skill set they just may not have. You got
1: that's right? That's exactly right. I, I think oftentimes business uh, women and businessmen take their skill sets for granted, mm-hmm. but business—if you think about business—they're accustomed to, to uh, establishing a vision, uh, building a culture. Uh, focusing on accountability for results, driving for results, uh, holding yourself and others accountable for results, uh, building sort of the right network of resources to, to solve and address a problem. Well, we do that every day in our work day. If we would spend a little bit of time and apply that type of skill set to some of the most complex, challenging social problems in our communities, we could absolutely make a very significant impact.
0: Your brother and I uh, ha- had a guy, Senator Jones, passed away, mutual contact. And when he died, um, I think he was worth about $700 billion. And when this guy died, he'd actually died in his office, uh, like during the workday. And after he passed away, I remember reaching out to some of his coworkers and asked if they wanted to donate to this thing, his memory, and they none of them had interest. And then they started suing each other. It was really, it was really heartbreaking for me to watch. And as I reflect on, it, I'm like, man, what would has his life been like if he had retired earlier or, or st- slowed down, and instead of being worth seven hundred million in retirement, maybe be with three hundred million, and then taking that money, and he could have done so many great things. But it's like he just kept working, 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 and kind of missed it. It was that was really impactful to me just kind of reflect on that.
1: Well, it, that's a, <clears throat> I would. It- I would say that is an unexamined life. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, th- there's been study after study of, of late uh, in particular about, um, there's one study that uh, Harvard uh, did on three generations of people, thousands of people, and, and tracked their happiness, their overall health and wellness. And, uh, and the, the results were very, very um, surprising to some uh, not to me, not to, not to others, but certainly to, to many, it was surprising. And that is the, the single greatest thing to do, uh, to encourage longevity of life and, uh, and overall happiness is to invest in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not to work more. It's not to make more money. It's not to accumulate more possessions because generally speaking, possessions end up owning you. You don't own them. Mm-hmm. But if you invest in relationships of all kinds, uh, then uh, ultimately you will be more fulfilled. And those relationships can be in work. They can be in the community. They can be in your neighborhood. They can certainly be uh, with, with your family, uh, with friends, and and making time for, for relationships uh, is a real benefit to all.
0: I was uh, in Palm Beach <clears throat> recently, and uh, my daughter's at PBA, so I'm, I'm down there kind of a little bit. And in this part of Palm Beach, it's a pretty wealthy area. <laughs> I'm very wealthy here twice. Uh, I tipped really well. I don't mean this braggadociously, I just in perspective, the valet guy. And, um, I cannot believe how, how positive they responded back. And plus I was just really trying to be very kind and interactive. And I, I'm always surprised situation like that to learn how people have just had almost no kindness or no tip or, you know, whatever, particularly by really wealthy people. And how far that goes, just as a human, how far that goes.
1: I have a friend who says, you know, it's just not that much more work to be kind. Right. Uh, and and, and to, to know, I always, when I'm in a restaurant, I always want to ask uh, the server's name. Yeah. Now, I happen to be terrible in remembering names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to remember. Uh, odds are I'm going to forget. But the fact that, th- that somebody cared enough to ask what uh, her name or his name was, oftentimes they, they, oh, my name is whatever. And and they they just appreciate being treated with respect as an individual, uh, not somebody who happens to be serving somebody who might be uh, wealthier or or what have you. Uh, All individuals are created in God's image Mm -hmm. and deserve to be treated with dignity and respect.
0: I uh, was at a restaurant one time and the guy uh, was, was hosting the meal. The server came up and he looked at them and he said, hey we're about to pray is there anything we can pray for you about and i mean that really touched me i was like wow you know and just kind of leaning into that to your same point you know That's and you know awesome. it's funny and they've proven that Yeah, you know, the relationships like having deep relationships about you but those little relationships help us live healthier longer lives too 100 100 we're gonna need to take a, a quick break uh but then we'll come back and then i got really hard gotcha questions for you tom okay so awesome. just get ready get ready uh this is crossman conversation Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. I'd like to thank Maynard, Cooper, and Gail, PC, for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to -to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field.
1: Once again, here is John Crossman,
0: and we're back here at the Crossman conversation with Tom Cinema. Tom, want to talk to you about this topic because I think it's something you're passionate about, as am I. I want to talk about the topic of financial literacy? You know, as so we talk about education and different issues and um, you know, what are important things students to learn. You know, one of my big things is advocating for real estate education at HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. And probably a bigger, maybe that's just a segment, maybe really of financial literacy uh, that I think there's an importance of teaching that, you know, at every college or getting better at that. Why are you so passionate about it? Why why does that trigger something that you feel so strongly about it?
1: Well, the, the, you know, I started, uh, was married young and uh, coming out right, literally right out of college. And my wife and I had no financial means. We came from families uh, that, that uh, were very middle-class families, had no ability to help us in any way. So we were on our own, and then we moved to Dallas, Texas. And we sort of had to teach ourselves uh, all, all of that. I, I was blessed, as my wife was as well, to be raised in a Christian home with sort of good and solid foundation. And so we we spent time sort of digging into in, into the, uh, the Bible to understand uh Uh, just and we've learned about financial literacy primarily from biblical principles because the Bible has a lot to say uh, about finances. But part of it was because we made uh, some bad decisions and had some failures and it led to some very significant financial stress. And uh, there's no question Marriages often are attacked by virtue of financial stress, and some of it is self-imposed by making bad decisions, buying stuff you can't afford, and uh, you know, sort of wanting things that that you should just you know, sort of uh, discipline yourself uh, not to, not to have. So the the impact on life, on stress, on happiness um, is uh, is mission critical. I also think that so many people, frankly, do a pretty mediocre job teaching their children about sort of financial literacy and, and, and so forth. And they're not able to make uh, the right kind of decisions when they're on their own uh, as adults Uh, and bad things happen. So I I am passionate about it. And I, I, frankly, I don't think it's that difficult uh, to address if we just pay attention to it.
0: Uh, this true story I years ago was a head of the stewardship committee for for a church. And they were talking about how the numbers were terrible. And it's like, uh, Four percent of the people in the church tie. There's you know something crazy. It's like you got this small percentage that's carrying, and then you got huge percentage of people that give absolutely nothing. So they were asked me to lead this and figure out what to do to get you know people increase giving things like that. And I came back with a recommendation of uh, teach financial literacy. And the reason why was I was like it's like we got two faucets. One's on one's on full blast. The other one's trickling. You can't get any more water to one. The one that's trickling, it's broken, right? I met people who I think were truly generous, kind-hearted people. They just said negative $10 in their bank account every month. They couldn't figure it out. Anyway, as a church, we made this big investment in financial literacy, and guess what? Tithing went up. It giving went up when we were t- providing those skill sets. And so some people are taught in their household. Some people have a you know proclivity towards it. Others just have no perspective whatsoever, right? And if they get started out and they get trapped in credit card debt that they can't get paid back... It's not that they don't want to give; it's that they're just completely upside down. It is. Uh, I always uh, was taught
1: that it is wrong to make financial decisions that r- require you to presume that God is going to get you out uh, of, huh. of the of the mess that that. So th- there's people that say, "Well, yeah, I need a, I need to have a bigger house. I'm going to have another baby, or I, you know, I need to have a, a newer car because my car is four years old, or I need this and I need." I need that. And then they make those decisions and then it, it, um, it impedes their ability to be generous financially uh, with uh, Christian causes or whatever the cause might, might be. It's like, yeah, I'm a little, a little tight. Well, you're tight because you made decisions that put you in that place that presumed that God was going to sort of bail you out. And I, I think if, if, if you Uh, if you're a married couple or you're single, what have you, if you make decisions um, where uh, you discipline yourself, you save, you give, you know, the Bible says on the first of the week, um, set aside money to give. It, 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 It basically says, have that be the priority, not having a new car, new house, new this, new that, you know, sort of new clothes, uh, golf member, whatever wherever it might be. There's nothing wrong with any of those things unless you put all of those things uh, in your life and it precludes your ability to be generous, which is uh, which is one of our greatest blessings uh, if, if we are generous.
0: I want to touch on this real quick. I, um, um, when my daughters got into like middle school, they would say things to me like, dad, do we, do we have money? Do we have trust fund? (laughs) You know, I'm sure that kids talk and say things. And I said, well, here's the thing, girls like your mom and I have some money. You don't, you don't have any money and I'm going to leave you nothing. And they were both were like surprised when I said that I said, well, here's the deal. I'm like, I'll educate you as much as you want to be educated. Um, I'll buy you one car. I'll pay for one wedding, one wedding. And um, you know, and then I'll love you till the day you die and always have a place to stay. Is that enough? And they kind of got that, and now I've got one in freshman college, one in senior high school, and and I've I got to meet a car, um, used car. Um, I've got some basic financial stuff set for them, but I pulled them both. I'm pretty much done. You know, my wife has said to me, she's like, "Are you really going to leave them nothing when you die?" I'm like, "No, I'll probably leave them something, but I don't want them to know that. Don't listen to this. <laughs> don't don't listen to it. But I but my point is, I want them to have their own self esteem and get their own jobs, build their own careers, and build their own lives together. And hopefully, they married you know, two nice young men and they, they, they work on that together. Um, I meet some people seem to seem to think they owe it to their kids an income. Like I need to pay for everything and then give them a job. And I'm like, man, that can be overly managing. You can really mess a kid up. I think. What are are your thoughts? I don't mean, I don't know that I'm right on any of that. I'm just saying, what do you think?
1: I'd say you're right on all of it. Although I would say the Bible does say, and uh, there is a a blessing to have an inheritance. Mm -hmm. So leaving your children something Uh, I I think can be a blessing, but, but, you know, a good thing gone uh, too far uh, is not a blessing. It's, it's a curse. So, um, but look, I, I think, I think one of your greatest responsibilities as parents is to raise your children to be independent, successful, mature adults. And if you make life so easy for them by giving them everything you have failed your principal test uh of teaching them how to be mature independent uh, a, a adults um so i i think i think the steps that you've taken is is totally appropriate by the way it's it's countercultural especially today mm-hmm. I, I had a conversation with a dear friend recently and we were uh we were sharing with our our wives the four of us were talking about how difficult it was when we were just getting started and how hard we had to work and how we had no money and we were doing this and we had to save for this. And it was very, very difficult. And we remarked that in our culture today, many people that had those kinds of financial difficulties want to ensure that their kids don't have any of those financial difficulties and challenges. Uh, And so they make things so easy. And in the process, they've robbed their children of the ability to, to develop grit and Mm -hmm. and financial discipline and as soon as there's a a challenge or an obstacle they melt because they haven't had to deal with uh some of those things so the very uh the 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 very challenges that often made people successful are what they want to rob their children of uh and and it's just doesn't make any sense to me
0: there's such a balance to it right like uh Uh, I had some rough times in my childhood and I think we lived in a couple times in neighborhoods that were unsafe. Right. And like, you know, when your kids grow up, somebody's unsafe, but to your point, that's kind of what motivated me, you know? Right. And so that balance of all that's very, very difficult. And, you know, um, you and I both know great people who seem to be great parents and their kids are really struggling. And then we see some people that are really struggling and their kids are great. Right. So who knows, right. You're just trying to get the path the best you can. And I, and I think, uh, what I really hear you saying is trying to put enough tools in her toolbox so they can then suffer the appropriate level to fix it themselves. It's, it's about,
1: yes, it's about preparing and equipping your children to make the right mature, responsible decisions when they're adults, not to make them uh, continuously dependent on you to help them make decisions after they're adults. So it, the whole process of financial stewardship and responsibility and and there's ways to to there's there's so many tools that you can use as a parent to teach your children how to save and not to just always spend the the whole i remember reading a book that was impactful to me i read it probably 35 years ago uh, the millionaire next door mm-hmm. and and um and the the difference between a prodigious consumer and a prodigious investor or saver Uh, We have a culture that says you want to have everything and you want to have it right now, whether you can afford it or not, as opposed to saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait to discipline myself financially to only buy those things when I can afford them, as opposed to just, you know, putting on your credit card or or, you know, getting your mom or dad to uh, to pay for it. And neither of those things uh, are generally the right answer. And
0: you know what's funny is, honestly, I've been the opposite a lot of my life in that I've had the money and then didn't buy something because I'm so freaked out about not having money. And I, and I talk to my wife about this all the time. There's the balance of saving, investing, giving, and consuming. And the last one, consuming. It's like um, I'm throwing a, a nice party for my second daughter's grad When she graduated high school, I did the same one for my older daughter. By Four Rivers Barbecue, by the way. That's what we always do. Um, but, you know, my wife and I was like, gosh, we're spending a lot of money on this. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do this. Like, I want to spend this money. I want to have a party and honor all the people that have helped pour into our daughter's lives, right? That seems like, that seems really good. But I had to like tell myself to spend that money, right? So you can be either way. You can go one way or what? You can get locked in on all kinds of. A hundred percent. I think when you start from the perspective that God owns
1: it all, That's what the Bible teaches us. God owns it all. He chooses to give each of us a portion and expects us and challenges us to be responsible stewards of what he's entrusted to us, which does not mean hoard it, nor does it mean spend it all on whatever you want, because then those things end up owning you. You don't own them. It's just about being balanced in your financial life, recognizing that that god owns it all even the skills and abilities that we have to earn wealth he gave us Mm -hmm. and he asks us to be faithful stewards and by the way that is not prescriptive you know there could be 10 different people and they could have 10 different views on on that but at the end of the day he does command us uh, to give generously and if we are making financial decisions that where we can't give that's a problem
0: Amen. I got nothing out of that. Tom, thanks for being here. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Really awesome. This has been the Crossman Conversation. Uh, as always, uh, support your local HBCU.
1: This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders, Mark Radio
0: Production.